Our scripture today is taken from Psalm 72, uh, verses 1 through 4, and then 12 through 17. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy, and crush the oppressor. For he delivers the needy when they call, the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life. And precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all day long. May there be abundance of grain in the land. May it wave on the tops of the mountains. May its fruit be like Lebanon. May people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May all nations be blessed in him. May they pronounce him happy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as we hear this psalm and gather to worship you with head and heart and voice, may the joy we experience, the thanksgiving we have this week, help us to be even more resolute in following your way and enacting your will on this earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Last week on Remembrance Sunday, I spoke of the seeming decline among far too many of us of what I referred to as a code of honor. I said there seems to have been a slow and steady deterioration of honor, of ethics, of standards of speech and integrity, of common courtesy, even of what we used to call civility. I also said I've sensed a deterioration of the willingness of far too many of us to put the group or institution we serve, better yet, the nation in which we live, above our individual wants or needs, our desires or ambitions, our angers or our begrudgments. Whatever a common code of honor is or was, I said, we seem to have let slide our commitment to live by it. It was a foreboding part of the sermon, but I didn't end with such darkness. As we then read Psalm 15 and noticed ten aspects that the psalmist presents of a code of honor, and then we went on to rehearse several examples of biblical characters who exemplify such a code. Today I want to draw on another selection from the prayer book of the Bible, this time Psalm 72, as we acknowledge the Sunday known as Christ the King, or Reign of Christ. As Patrick indicated, this festival Sunday was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925, 
So it is a recent festival in the life of Christianity, but it addresses not a recent theme. The Pope instituted Christ the King to focus on the ultimate reign and rule of God in a time when growing secularism and nationalism were prevailing. Nationalism that within a few decades would take its ultimate and genocidal form in Nazism. Though the Catholic Church, like much of Christianity, was far too timid in its challenge to Hitler, by declaring a Sunday in which we acknowledge that in Christ God has come to rule the earth, to watch over the affairs of humanity, and even at times to exercise governance over such affairs, we both call and remind ourselves of the role human rulers and ordinary citizens play in governing the tribes, the nations, the civilizations that make up the human race. Psalm 72 opens with a rousing intercession on the part of worshipers invoking God's blessing on their newly crowned king. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May the ruler judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. And may the ruler defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. This psalm is one of 12 psalms that depict the king as God's chosen representative on earth. Taken together, these psalms depict several matters of state that are common to nearly all rulers and reigns. The importance of a ceremony of beginning, a coronation or an inauguration, marking a change in time, marking new leadership. The promise of divine protection for the office, if not the occupant of it. The desire for a special relationship between the ruler on earth and God above. A reliance of the ruler on God and a commission of the ruler by God. The desire for the ruler to serve as an ideal agent of God's justice. The desire for the ruler to prevail in battle when battle is necessary and just. And even the joy of a royal wedding is anyone who has gotten up in the wee hours of the morning in recent decades to watch such an event knows. As a solid commentator we use in my Bible classes writes, the 12 Psalms of which Psalm 72 is a part present the earthly rulers as implementing God's rule and sovereign claim over all the world. Now, those of us who are steeped in democratic traditions, who are raised with the separation of church and state, who are schooled in the Protestant work ethic, who are brought up in the capitalist spirit, and who are instilled with the ideals that all people are created equal, 
are used to electing our own leaders to do everything from keeping the roads paved to conducting the foreign policy of our nation, we may shrink back from the language of the commentator, implying that the ruler is to serve as the implementer of God's rule on earth. That's just a little bit too theocratic for us. But here again, what such implementation involves. Judging the people with righteousness and the poor with justice. Making the mountains yield prosperity for the people. Defending the cause of the poor, the needy, the oppressor. A bit later, the psalmist provides more eloquent detail on these basic elements of a ruler's divinely ordained rule. The ruler delivers the needy when they call the poor and those who have no helper. The ruler has pity on the needy and the weak and saves their lives. From oppression and violence, the ruler redeems their life and precious Precious is their blood in the ruler's sight. No matter how hard we quickly turn away from the news sources we follow since October 7th, when the terrorist organization Hamas attacked the nation of Israel, no one of us has likely failed to see the victims of violence, the blood of the innocent on the streets, The blood of women and children, of infants and elderly, of ill and infirmed, no matter what language they speak, nor what people into which they have been born, does not escape notice on the part of the ruler, nor of the God who invests the ruler with the power and authority to address such spilling of blood. The deaths of innocent people do not escape the notice. They do not escape the grief of God himself. Precious is their blood in the sight of God who rules the ruler. The psalm then expands the ruler's care and domain beyond simply the poor and the needy as important as they are and as much emphasis as they receive in this psalm. May there be abundance of grain in the land, the the psalmist writes. May it wave on the tops of the mountains. May its fruit reach as high as the cedars of Lebanon. And may people blossom in their cities like the grass of the field. The ultimate aim of the ruler of any society is not only the care of the poor and the protection of the people from oppression and bloodshed, but it is also the creation of conditions for the flourishing of humanity, for the flourishing of the human race and of the natural beauty and order within the bounds of the land that the ruler is ruling. May the people blossom in the cities. There's no greater purpose of divinely ordained rule 
whether democratic or monarchical, elected or appointed, inherited or chosen, then that the people flourish, then that we flourish in our individual lives, in our families and among our kin, and in the places we live in common community, the cities, the villages, the towns, the squares of the earth. May the people blossom in the cities. It goes without saying that we live in a time in which such blossoming seems at best hit or miss or commonly far away. In the war between Israel and Hamas, we seem to have more information presented in more graphic ways that can lead us to be overwhelmed about what should be done as if what is to be done is clear and easy. In our country, we are in an election cycle in which over 70% of our nation desires candidates other than those running and yet feel powerless to expand the circle. We have what seems to be a dysfunctional Congress where fistfights threaten to erupt before our eyes as if we are watching a late night NHL game rather than a rerun of a hearing on C-SPAN. We are daily aware of corruption among the super wealthy, of people who seem to have acquired the accoutrements of wealth more than any sense of conscience that might come with it, and of people whose emotional health seems far beneath the power or influence they have. Leaders of major democratic nations appear weakened, lacking in influence or support, overwhelmed by the demands of immigration and refugee relief created by warfare and terrorism or natural disasters. Or such leaders seem to relish being performative to the point that very few lack the will or skill to join with other nations to address these myriad of international challenges. And we are still finding our way through a post-pandemic world, especially if we are children in school, college students on divided campuses, or young adults seeking, hoping to buy a first home. In other words, many days we feel nothing like the blossoming in the cities under a divinely ordained leader who seeks righteousness and justice for the people. But central to the message of Christ the King Sunday is that God's reign and rule over all of creation will prevail. One of our hymns places the realism of our human plight within the context of God's ultimate reign and rule. O God of earth and altar, bow down and hear our cry. Our earthly rulers falter, our people drift and die. The walls of gold entomb us. The swords of scorn divide. Take not thy thunder from us, but take away our pride. From all that terror teaches, from lies of tongue and pen, from all the easy speeches that comfort cruel men, from sale and profanation of honor and the sword, from sleep, And from damnation, deliver us, good Lord. 
tie in a living tether the prince, the priest, and the servant thrall. Bind all our lives together, smite us and save us all. In ire and exultation aflame with faith and free, lift up a living nation, a single sword to thee. Especially in our Calvinist heritage, we believe that God does rule the world and that ultimately God will prevail. We believe that earthly rulers are only blessed when they lead in ways that God wills for all people. We believe we stand in the inheritance of God's call to Abraham and Sarah to receive God's blessing and be agents of passing that blessing on to all the nations of the world All the peoples. A call and commission that happened as best we can date nearly 4,000 years ago and remains in force today. We believe as vexed as we might be in this particular time in history and as rightly worried as we are for both the next generation and the millions of people beyond our gates who live in unbearable and deadly situations, we still live under a God whose sight a thousand years are but as yesterday when they are past and as a watch in the night. We believe that the God who created the world and redeemed it in Jesus Christ has not given up on it and will not give up on it, has turned neither his face from it nor his back to it, And is not taking an extended rest from his work of redemption and rectification of reconstruction and renewal. Behold, I make all things new, God promises. And on that promise, God continues to act. On that promise, we rely. And on that promise, we can go forward and act. The festival of the reign of Christ is not a hope or a dream And it's not an exercise in nostalgia. It is not a call to exclude our fellow citizens or to withdraw or punish or seek to lord it over any of them. It is not a dreamy aspiration or a promise so far away in cosmic time and space as to be virtually meaningless. It is a promise of the nearness of God. Of God's appropriate action and rule over every aspect of human life. Personal and spiritual. Corporate and communal. In these most uncertain times it is worth hearing again the words of the Apostle Paul. Calling us to lift supplications. Prayers. Intercessions. Thanksgivings. For everyone. Including for kings and those in high places. And it is worth committing and recommitting ourselves to the strong and slow boring of hard boards, which is how Max Weber described the work of politics, of intelligence, of public service, of democracy, of working together in communities in bodies to rule that for which we have been given responsibility. Weber then reminded us that humanity 
would not have attained the possible unless time and again we have reached out for the impossible. My friends, the reign of Christ is the promise of a blossoming and flourishing of all God's creatures. A blessing in God of all the nations and peoples of the world. A blessing which brings its own form of happiness to the very heart of God. And it is our only and yet our most secure hope. Amen.